Hi, welcome to BPM. We have a very special guest, our love expert, Rihanna Milne. Welcome to the show, Rihanna. Thank you. And Thank you. Today, I'm to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And accompanied today, I have my beautiful wife. I, have, I was paid to say that, by the way. <laughs> Julia. Hi, Julia. Thanks for joining us today. <laughs> Hello, thanks for having me. Okay. So yeah, welcome to the show, Rihanna. Um, Thank you. You are to be here. a relationship expert. And that's why I brought my wife here today because I'm trying to trick you out of a free show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay. No, 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 I'm not. But I thought there's a lot of people who are, how would I say, ill-informed with relationships and don't quite get the concept. So I'm hoping that we can learn something um, from you today. Of course, being here as our relationship expert. Um, yes. Yes. So for tell sure. us a little bit about your work as a life, love, relationship, life, love and relationship coach and how it came into it, how you came into it. Sure. Well, I took the traditional route in year 2000 and went back to um, a master's degree in applied clinical and counseling psychology, got a triple master's, graduated with honors and opened up my practice in New Jersey called Therapy by the Sea. But in 2009, I was always a little bit of a rebel and I liked the coaching uh, approach much more than counseling because coaching is educational, proactive, solution-based. Let's get to the goals and, and the solutions of the problems working together. So I always loved the coaching model. So I got certified as a life, love trauma recovery and relationship coach. I'm a certified clinical trauma professional and a certified mindset coach. So I kind of use a hybrid between psychology and coaching to help those with unhealed childhood and love trauma. Um, to make that more conscious uh, after the healing, what they do, what they say, how do they write and how they interact and choose partners. And then they go on to really attract the emotionally healthy, evolved and conscious partner that they really do desire. And unfortunately, we didn't learn how to date properly or fall in love. It was always through fairy tales and nursery rhymes yeah. like Sleeping Beauty, right? <laughs> the handsome prince comes and kisses you and go off and live happily ever after, right? Yeah. Well, that just doesn't work, nor does falling in love by chemistry. And that's how we were taught. And it's probably one of the worst things you can do. So um, I do that. I'm also a number one best-selling author. I've written seven books. Seven. And I love, beyond wow. your, yeah, I love Beyond Your Dreams, Break Free of Toxic Relationships to Have the Love You Deserve, and Live Beyond Your Dreams from Fear and Doubt to Personal Power, Purpose, and Success. They're meant to go together. They're called sister books. So one's about the mindset for success. The other one is about success and love. And I'm also a podcast host. My show is called Lessons in Life and Love with Coach Rihanna Milne. Um, what else do I do? I do a whole lot of things. I'm a mom, I'm a grandma, <laughs> you know, so all kinds of different things. Actually, I was looking at your pictures. I don't, you don't really look that old, to be fair, to be a grandma. Thank you, my dear. This is called age is a state of mind, right? So when your mind is good and you're living a peaceful, evolved, conscious life, you're mm -hmm. happier. You yeah, have less yeah. drama. You have less stress in your life. 
Yeah, I'm happily 63, but most people 60. think I'm about 48. I would have said about 40. Yeah, I was like mid 40s. So, wow. Okay, what's your secret? I might need to pass it on to my wife. Uh, meditation every day, holistic organic diet, yes. Yes. Uh, moderate exercise. I don't exercise like crazy. Um, the balance of work life with fun. I used mm -hmm. to love world travel. Hopefully we can get back to that soon. Yes. Um, but, you know, just really setting up the times for fun and joy. And when you're at work, focus at work, living a purpose-filled life. I love helping others heal and transform from past childhood or love trauma. Mm -hmm. And love trauma means being involved in a relationship with a narcissist, a sociopath, anyone that uses you for pleasure, profit, or lifestyle advancement, mm -hmm. someone who's abusive verbally, emotionally, physically, just in general, that's under toxic relationships, right? Yeah, yeah. And toxic means you're just feeling sick inside. You might have ongoing stomach aches or irritable bowel syndrome or can't sleep, migraines. Mm. Um, so that's what we mean by toxic relationships. Okay. And it's really unhealthy for not only you, but if you're a parent, your children to yeah. witness and be around. Okay. Just quickly, I want to go back a little bit. to childhood trauma, watching your parents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to go back a little bit because um, you said something which I actually had a question to. Um, basically, when we're coming up as, as young kids, we watch a lot of Disney and all these stories, rom-coms. And, you know, we believe, especially I think this is more embedded in the woman's psyche or the female psyche than the male psyche, because we're just kind of like walking around, hoping the best to, you know, do what we need to do. So how do you undo that indoctrination that you've been you know, bombarded with from when you're a little kid? That you're going to find your prince charming he's going to come and take you away or even even just as simple as saying you're going to get a guy who's got loads of money when the majority of us don't actually make that much money as in comparison to the people on tv you know our counterparts on tv who are apparently all rich and have no problems so how do you undo that indoctrination yeah there's a couple of questions in that question yeah. so first of all uh education right? We were not taught by our parents in high school or in college, not even in my triple masters, about how to have emotionally healthy relationships. No one has taught us. So all we knew is, wow, if you're attracted, fall in love. That's what we do. It's wrong because you're not really getting to the root of the foundation and the friendship first, yep. right? So people are just falling in love, getting intimate, then the oxytocin, serotonin of the brain takes over, because man was meant to procreate. Now let's go to this second part. Men are uh, geared by attraction. If you go on to uh, dating apps, which of course you're not on now, and Julia, because you're married, but the dating apps will always say from a man must have chemistry. That's how I know I'm in love. Like everyone, if the chemistry is right, th this will work, right? Mm -hmm. So women need to know that men's caveman brain, the old brain, is indeed driven by attraction because they're meant to procreate the race. So ladies, men can't help being that shallow. Okay. That's like the moral to that story. And men, yeah. Okay. Now you're cheering out. Wait, <laughs> oh. men, you can't, uh, you can't blame a woman for needing security. Her yeah. number one cave woman brain is safety and security because she's yeah. a child bearer. Mm -hmm. So she wants someone that has their life together, that makes a steady and regular income, because even if it's unconsciously, can he take care of me and my children? Yeah. 
mm-hmm. right? So we are inborn to think that way, to be that way and feel that way, both sexes. So the sexes have to understand that that's where the other is coming from and why. So ladies dress great for your date because men are hardwired for that five second. Is she hot? Is she not? I like her. I don't like her. Then if he likes her, he's going to sit and want to get to know you a little bit more. Mm. But attraction is still a big factor for men and men, women need a guy that feels safe. He respects her. Um, He wants, she wants to know he likes her for her, not just what she looks like. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, Julie, you want to touch on that a little bit? You seem to agree. Yeah, I'm definitely agreeing. Um, And I think quite a lot of people really don't know how to do this. Um, because you you start off and when you look at single women talking about their dating experiences, they always seem to stumble over these things like, okay, he just does one this one thing of me or um, he's not interested, he's not engaging. And it sounds like we need to learn a lot, especially as women. I mean, yes. I can't talk for the men, of course, but Women need to learn um, a lot about and need to learn a lot too. <laughs> Trust and me. how to and how to also um, bring our needs forward, because I think we are not aware of these kind of needs either. Somehow, it's just the experience that we have, and then we're like, oh, we can't seem to find a guy out there who's a good guy. Unfortunately, dating's gotten so sex focused. Uh, the men are looking to get intimate as fast as possible. Now that is a stereotype, but it seems to be the norm, especially amongst the younger people I talk to mm-hmm. and women who come to me, tw- even the men that come to me in the age group of 26 to 36 are looking for a good person for marriage and a family. And they're like, all they talk about is hooking up. They want sex on the first to third date. They yeah. don't even know these people really, <laughs> you know, so that's the number one mistake people are making just getting intimate and hoping it's love and it never is. So it's up to the women who, you know, an old fashioned term is called the, you're the gatekeepers, right? You either say yes or no to the guy. So the the guy's like expecting sex on the third date. And I said, well, who made up that role? The men, of course they did. So ladies don't fall into that. That's not how you're going to get love. You get love by a deep friendship really finding out their quality and the character. Um, you know, again, who are they? What is their life like? What are their other relationships like with their friends, with their family? Do they have that good work ethic that makes them excited to go to work every day, that they love what they do? Um, so there's so much to really find out about the other person. And, and guys, you're looking, you know, if you want to have children, Um, you know, you ask, you know, are you a woman that would like to have children on the first date? You know, and I told my daughter this when she was on match.com and she's, I said, here are the questions that you asked. And I actually have 24 questions in my book that I tell people they should ask on the first or second date. So, you know, right away to move forward or not move forward. And she said, really, mom, I asked on the first date, are you a man that wants to have kids? And I said, absolutely. Why waste your time? So here is a no answer. She'll ask, Are you a man that sees yourself as wanting to be married and having kids? Peace said, well, yeah, I'd marry one day. And if she really wants kids, probably that's a no. (laughs) That's a no. (laughs) That's a no. That's a no, but I still want to have a shot for the date. (laughs) That's right. If he says, oh my God, of course I want to be married and have kids. I couldn't even imagine my life without kids. That's what my son-in-law said. And they're now married. 
So she w- continued with the next state because there are men that see themselves. They really want to be a father. That's mm. important to them. And that's the kind of guy you're seeking to date. So it's not about the looks. Who are they? What do they want? What are their goals in life, in business, in love? Right. Can they be a team player? Are they an equal partner in the household, equal in helping to raise the children? You know, because women are out there working, they're helping with the income. So the men have to realize they've got to do equal in the home today because the women usually just aren't sitting at home. So there's so much to learn um, to make for good and happy relationships. Actually, I just got one last question to that is um, women's sexual needs. How do women who are let's say not borderline nymphomaniacs, but, but women who have a slightly higher sexual need, how do they go about tackling this issue of trying to find somebody to continuously mate with or even multiple partners? Well, Al, let's talk about that. Yes, they usually are borderline or had some severe childhood trauma. That's mm-hmm. number one. Number two, uh, everyone needs to know the science of the brain because barely anybody knows this. The man's sexual center of the brain is seven times that of a woman's. So he should not be expecting the woman to keep up with him sexually. Yep. Okay. A woman wants more quality time, more connection, more romance, more warming up time. She is not hardwired in her body like a man is where a man can have intimacy and make love pretty quickly. The woman's five senses have to be ignited for her to feel turned on. So when I had a couple in my office and I said, well, one was your last date. And I know when the eyes go up to the ceiling, we're in trouble. Like I said, that's too long, you know? So, and he said, well, why do I have to keep dating or I married her? I said, do you still want to have sex? And he looked at me, well, of course I do. I said, well, then she still wants to have relation, romance and time out to connect with you. So you have to understand the sexes are wired totally differently when it comes to sexual turn on. Yeah. Most people don't know this. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, guys, when you're dating, shower, smell good, dress nice. Don't dress like a bum. Tell her she looks beautiful. Treat her like, you know, a lady. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be big, expensive meals. You can take a bottle of wine and sit on the beach. You can take a walk out in the woods, go hiking and, and take a picnic. I mean, it could be many little things, mm-hmm. but those over time is what is the glue of the relationship. So don't think it has to be big, expensive dates, but it has to be quality time and stay off your phone. If you're on a date, be involved, be engaged with that person. Don't be checking your phone all the time. Makes yeah. her or him feels like they're not important. Um, you know, it's, it's strange. I watch a lot of couples out and they're just sitting there together. They're barely talking. They're just on their phone. I'm like, Seriously, like what kind of connection is that bringing? Hmm. So, you know, really engage and be there for your partner. Don't talk about problems or bitch or moan or anything else that's going to turn the other person off. Tell them, you know, how great they look, that you're happy to be with them, whatever, things like this. So, yeah. So um, usually women that are over sex usually had some um, severe childhood trauma that's still unhealed. And also for the highly sexual man who's like a sex addict, there's usually some abandonment and I can go into the 10 traumas, but there's some abandonment and other things that they are using sex to feel love. So sex Mm. equals love. Mm. And that's the problem. Sex is a part of love. 
it shouldn't be the all important everything and then love comes next. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you specialize in those who have experienced childhood trauma. How does that hold one back from having a love and a life and love relationship they dream of? Well, what's happens is that they, um, the coping mechanism that kids use just to survive, right? They have very childlike, immature minds. So they only know certain things that they can do not to get yelled at or punished. So those become normalized and part of their adult personality. And when they're not healed, many of these patterns become very unconscious. Here's an example. I had a couple in my office. He was a Midwestern guy. She was um, from South Philly. Now I'm a Philadelphia person. We tend to talk fast and very impassioned and, you know, but the Italian South Phillies, they're, they're, they're like really passionate. They tend to like kind of yell when they talk. Right. Yeah. So he's there. I, I can't stand it. She yells at me all the time. And he's like, comes from a farm family, real laid back. And she's, what do you mean? I yell at you. I don't yell at you. What are you talking about? And I looked at her and I said, you don't hear it, do you? because it became so normalized and so unconscious. Mm. So then I had to reteach communication um, tips for that. So it's these normalized patterns that show up and people don't know what they're doing to trigger or upset their partner all the time. So what I have to do with couples is I look at partner A and partner B, figure out what is going on within each one of them from their unhealed childhood traumas and then teach them a new way to communicate so they're not triggering each other. Um, and if it's a single person, we have to heal those traumas, get them to really feel empowered and amazing about themselves and their life. Then they're ready to go out and date. Too many people go out to date, hoping to be rescued. You know, hopefully someone will pay off my bills. Hopefully they'll have money. So then we'll make it together. That's from a lack mentality. You have to really feel empowered about yourself. Then you become the chooser. And you wouldn't settle for something less. If they don't have their life together, you're not going to be wanting or being attracted to them. Mm. Okay. Can, I, can I jump in there? Because you just said um, for the single ones that um, they need to understand that they can become the chooser, like they can go high value and, and understand that they are good alone on their own. And then they can go out and find somebody to be with That's them. That's right. Um, yes. Is it important to still stay the chooser in your relationship? Because um, sometimes I have a feeling once you're in a relationship, you kind of think that this is a dependency now, like you, you live together and you have to do everything together and, and there's children and they are also involved. It's very, like a lot of people seem to be very close in their relationship. And I'm asking myself sometimes, hey, do you even go back for like one or two steps and look at this other person again, knowing, okay, I would choose this person again, or would I not choose this person again? Well, I talk about balance in relationships, equilateral triangle. For couples, it's me, you, and us. Yeah. So you have to have your me time. That does involve your work, your exercise time, time with friends, your meditation, your hobby, um, and they have theirs. And then your us time, which is your couple time and family time. So many couples just put the kids first, leaving themselves very short change. And mm -hmm. then the relationship erodes over time. Yeah. So it's really important you put each other first, then the kids, 
Then, you know, parents, if you have elderly parents or parents that need taken care of, uh, friends and so on. But you don't put your friends first. You don't put the kids first. You have to put each other first. Because if you two are happy, the kids will be happy, right? So if it's all like in America, they have all these, you know, kids in five sports and running all around. It's like, no, put them in one or two activities you can enjoy as a family, you know, and, and that would be a much healthier uh, environment for everyone. And then make sure you have your dates twice a week as a couple. <laughs> actually, I like that because when I wrote you, it was like, it was actually meant to do the show later. And then you was like, sorry, I got a date with my husband. Your husband <laughs> I and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, so that was me. Oh, you went at the weekend. I said, sorry, that's the time. <laughs> and people get it because that's what I teach. I do what I teach. So, yeah. Okay. Um, what happens when a relationship seems so perfect? Uh, why do things turn toxic once things get serious? Well, because the, if the people have not healed their childhood traumas, mm. they're bringing them in and they tend to show up more in the love relationship. Um, now, unhealed and unconscious childhood traumas can show up in life, meaning you have ongoing anxiety, you have bouts of depression, your bipolar personality or borderline. That's life experiences, how you look at life, the negative mindset, the lack mindset. That's how it shows up in life shows up in love in many different ways. And I'll go into that once I name the traumas and then it can show up in business. So if you grew up with like trauma number nine, which is lack um, growing up in a, a, maybe a dangerous neighborhood, there wasn't enough money for the family. It was always like, we don't have enough money to, for food to pay the bills. That's that lack mentality. Then, you know, in business, you probably won't invest in yourself to get to the next level. Like you might know you need a coach to grow your business the way you want it to be. And you're afraid to invest the five or 10,000 because it's like, wow, you know, I, I got to hold on to that. But if you invested it, it might just take you to that level that you really want to be. So we have to, you know, have you be able to say more yes to life and showing up large and living large, but in an intelligent and focused way and say no to the things that don't serve you or that you really don't want to do. And one of the side effects for a lot of women is people pleasing and people pleasing comes from if you grew up with parents that were very demanding or perfectionistic or yell and scream a lot. So you would just please them to death to not be yelled at. And then that became normalized. So this would be a woman that says, I do everything for my husband and my kids. They do nothing for me. They don't love me like I love them. So she equated as a child when I please them and they're happy, then I have love. I'm, I'm entitled to love. And that becomes an unconscious behavior. Would okay. you say, um, excuse me, would you say that women tend to have deeper trauma because of the roles that they learned when they were young? Well, not really. Uh, all the research shows that nine out of 10 people Uh, have at least one to three of the childhood top 10 traumas. And then I look at the severity levels with severity, you know, from one to 10, the more severe and the more traumas they have, the more you're going to see narcissism, sociopathy, psychopathy, um, and more troubled and repetitive relationships. So there's something called relationship repetition syndrome, RRS, where you choose people over and over again, but they're like, uh, what do we call it? 
uh, same person, different face. So you <laughs> fall in love with that same toxic personality type over and over again. Mm. So that's a sign that you are, you know, really missing on the attraction factor because your trauma is still choosing by chemistry um, what was toxic to your past and what's still unhealed for you. So, I mean, that's, that tends to be what happens. Mm -hmm. Okay. So and men yeah. suffer. I work with men and women, straight and gay and lesbian couples, mm -hmm. uh, everyone. And from teens age 16 and up, when I had the therapy pra practice and worked in the schools, I did work as a trauma counselor uh, with grades kindergarten all the way through college. And I also worked at a mental health ward of kids age five through 19. So 21 years as a psychotherapist, I saw all these traumas and how they played out in young kids. And then I worked with women from the prison system. So as adult women, why did they keep getting themselves in trouble? Because they had so many unhealed childhood trauma wounds. Okay, so I saw all different ages, cultures, backgrounds who had the unhealed traumas and the top 10 kept showing up. Okay, then can you give us, can you give us with the top 10 traumas then? Um because we want yeah. to make sure with our kids, we're not giving them that stuff, you know, just give us a tip. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So people understand because most people would think, well, my life was pretty normal as a kid. There was a lot, a few bumps in the road, but you wouldn't, you'd be surprised at what the 10 traumas are. So here we go. Now, remember when you're a child, you're very young and innocent. You're just a product of your environment. So mm. this is not to feel any shame or embarrassment if this happened to you. We just want to look at it as a fact. Did this happen or did it not? And second, it's not a time to say, wow, my parents really screwed up and you're going to be mad at mom and dad now. You don't want to do that because the research shows if you had childhood trauma, so did your parents and so did their parents. It tends to go through at least three generations, if not more. Okay, so the first one is if your parents or caretakers had any addictions. Now, there's many addictions. I am a drug and alcohol addiction specialist. So here are the 12 that I named. Drugs, alcohol, sex, meaning you knew your parent was a cheater. Porn, gambling, hoarding, spending, eating, gaming, TV watching, workaholism, and the last one, social media addiction, where that parent's always on the phone or the computer and ignoring the child. So those are the top 12. Second is verbal abuse. Now you could have watched that with mom and dad yelling and screaming at each other, or they might've yet been yelling at you a lot. This also includes any messages where you feel slighted or put down something like, why don't you change your outfit? You look fat in that. That's a put down. So something like that. Never hearing compliments, like I'm proud of you, kiddo, great job, or not hearing the words, I love you. And it's funny, I was on the beach the other day, I live in Florida. And there was like eight people of my age generation and none of us heard the words, I love you from our mothers. Mm -hmm. And I taught my mom to say that. I said, mom, you have five kids. Your kids need to hear this word, these words. This is very important that we feel this bond to you. And I said, why don't you tell us that? She goes, well, I never heard those words. Those words weren't anything that I grew up with. We grew up in the great depression yeah. in the United States, right? We were just in survival mode. And I said, well, it's important that you learn to say it. So she did. And we heard it a lot after that. But all the people in my generation, the baby boomers, they didn't hear that much. That was rare. And it does play a big part in your psyche. Okay. Number three is emotional abuse or neglect. 
Number four is any physical abuse, rape, or molestation. And those, of course, as any of these, could have happened inside or outside of the home. So it's any time that you're a child or a teen. The next one is big. It's an abandonment. And I described two types. So it's fault and no-fault abandonment. So a no-fault abandonment would be like if a parent dies early or if they have to go off and serve war. Now, I was working in the schools with kids um, during the Iraq and Afghanistan wars in an elementary school. And many of the kids started being diagnosed as ADHD. They were just like flat, just checking out, staring off the, you know, into space. And I said, these kids are an ADHD. They're, they're terrified that their mom or dad won't come back from the war. That's all they can think about. I haven't heard from my mom in five days. Is she okay? Like, why doesn't she call me? So they are actually in trauma state without realizing it. So when a child is in anxiety, cortisol is up and memory and focus goes down. So in Miss Brianna's relaxation room, which is what I called my room, they would come and we do music therapy. We do meditation. I get that anxiety, that cortisol to settle down. And then they were able to do better and learn better. Now there's a lot more articles on the importance of meditation in schools, but I was doing this year 2000 to 2004, which was considered a little weird, but I knew the brain science. So, you know, it's, if your child is diagnosed ADHD, look in your home environment. Is there trauma there? Okay. So it's just something I want to put out to the parents. Okay. So uh, another no fault abandonment would be if your parent travels a lot for work. And my situation, I grew up saying, when's daddy coming home? My mom's like, well, I don't know where he is. I'm like, well, why not? You know? <laughs> well, we found out much later in life, he was CIA and FBI. So he couldn't tell the family <laughs> where he was. Okay. You know? Yeah. So we got letters from the president and the head of the CIA when he was older and, you know, thanking him for his years of service. But it left a kid feeling anxious when mm. they don't know where their parents are. Okay. Fault, fault abandonment would be um, never being active in your child's life, being in your active in the child's life until the relationship or marriage breaks up and you barely see them or it's irregular or you cancel a lot. Or there's even when you are in the home, but you're barely involved with that child. You're checking out on your computer or television series or whatever, and you barely engage. You don't go to the kids' events, their plays, their sport events. Mm -hmm. Why? You're saying you don't have time. Well, that's a fault feeling of abandonment, making the kid feel they just don't care. Okay. Um, the next one would be if you were part of the foster care system, adopted, or had to go live in another home because your family couldn't have you all in the home. Trauma number seven is one that most people identify quickly with. That's called personal trauma. And that would be if you were ever bullied in your life, if you just felt different, you might've been a chubby, overweight child or a skinny and gawky child and called a nerd. Um, you might've been the only African-American in an all Caucasian school or coming out LGBTQ and people wouldn't accept you or you just look different than the average girl. You look more like a tomboy. So all these different reasons why you didn't feel liked or accepted or part of the popular crowd can really play a toll on that feeling of how you feel as an individual, as an adult. And it's, uh, many of those messages are unconscious still in the brain. The next one is sibling trauma, number eight. So that could have been your, tr your 
uh, sibling was born with a medical condition. So that commanded more of mom's and dad's time. It could have been they bullied you or most often you perceive them to be the golden child, the favored one. So more <laughs> handsome, more attractive, the star athletes, um, the smarter one, you're always compared grade wise. Well, why don't you do as well as your brother? You know, Things like this. Trauma number nine, everyone on the show can relate to right now. So this is one of the ones everyone in the world has. And trauma nine has two parts. So the first part's community trauma and the COVID pandemic is a community trauma. It's a global world trauma. And we are all dealing with this no matter where we live. So this is also our mass shootings, our school shootings, and our major mother earth events, floods, fire, hurricanes, tornadoes that impact communities at large. And when that happened, it normally always affects the family, which is the other part. Now, even before COVID, um, this could be if you grew up again with lack, didn't have enough money. They look at COVID, everybody losing jobs, standing in food lines, losing their homes. Um, little kids can't play with their friends. They're afraid if mom and dad goes to work, they might come home and get sick. They're hearing all these news messages about how many deaths. I mean, don't let your kids hear this because this is going to play out when they're adults. There's gonna be a lot of safety issues, high anxiety, uh, social isolation. Um, so we have to be really protective of what the messages our kids are hearing or even talking about this in front of the kids at this point, but it's so all over the place. Um, other childhood traumas could be if your parent was incarcerated, military families here in the US have to move every two to four years. That makes the kid the new kid in the school all the time. So there's many under both categories, but they're pretty big. And trauma 10 is mental health issues in mom or dad. So the two most difficult for a child to grow up with is bipolar and borderline personality disorder. So for the listeners to get borderline, simply it means uh, very erratic moods. When they're good, they're great. When they're bad, they're horrid and you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> Um, they would explode with anger at the simplest thing that nobody else would get upset about. Mm -hmm. So that's borderline. Everything is dramatic and to the extreme. And then when you asked about that hypersexual woman, yes, she probably does have borderline personality. No. Um, the other one, bipolar, is manic depressive. Depression can come out as anger, fatigue, or just checking out emotionally. And a manic phase could be a high and happy phase, but it also is usually wrapped around an addiction spending spree, gam gambling spree, eating binge, something like that is in a manic, high anxious state. So those are the top 10. So how many wow. do you guys have? I, 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 I'm gonna let, uh, Ju Julia, yeah. <laughs> you can start, man. I think I'm gonna need about two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Where do I sign up actually? That's, that's what I'm gonna ask you. Sure. Uh, Ju Julia. Oh. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think? How many? How many I got? Yeah, I'm just. A... I think it's interesting because um, I wouldn't say not so many, but I can definitely tell which one, like which ones run my life. Yeah, um, I think it's interesting once you get into it, and then even if it's let's say just one, but um, how many conflicts I have in my life or in our relationship or whatever, and it all comes down to stuff that happened to me in the past. 
I mean, it's I'll kind go of over some of the patterns that show up in love. I was just curious how many that you thought you had. I I I, I could tell you, I have probably in uh, about nine of the ten. Mm-hmm. I think that's normal though, because I'm not African American, but let's say I am African American. Now, you know, we are always, you know, how it is you're from America? Yes. The African American people, we live in the the lower echelons of society so we're always suffering from lack for example our, our parents one's always away even br- uh, prison or has left the home because of whatever reason so like i yeah. said i think it's actually normal and that's why my next question would be is how can someone heal their unconscious trauma because the one thing about us us people we're, we're proud you know we don't want to let we don't go to the doctor we don't want to go to the doctor we don't want to tell anyone that we're weak that we're suffering. We just got to put on this. Well, that's it. Men are socialized to do yeah. that. Yes, yeah. Very often men are and at different cultures, like the black society, the Asian society, they yeah. don't want to admit there's anything wrong, Yeah. but it's really important that if you notice this and your children are, or teens are acting out, there's a reason there's anger, there's frustration. They don't know how to fix things at home Mm. um you know these are the kids that i saw in the schools that quote acting out kids and they really need somebody to talk to and they do not have the mental capacity to heal these problems for themselves so Mm. kids handle it one way or another if they're externalizers they will be angry they'll yell they'll run away they'll maybe even, you know, try suicide or do something major. They'll do drugs and alcohol, right? They act out their anger. The internalizers take it and they're very quiet. They might journal. They're in their rooms all the time. They're locked away. There's a lot of depression. They may cut, self-mutilate in a place you're not going to see it. They may take drugs without anybody knowing it. Um, So it's internal. But keep in mind, the uh, young adult doesn't come into their maturity level until about age 23 for the female and 26 for the male. So when you're telling a a teenager, 13 years old, you should know better. No, we shouldn't. You know, Mm -hmm. our job as uh, parents are to teach them the better way and especially important, model it. Let them see how your communication is between mom and dad and show them okay, well, we have an issue, but let's talk about this. Let's talk it through. What's your opinion? What's mine? You know, and let them see how to do these things properly because kids aren't seeing it, right? So if they don't see it, counselors like I have to teach it. And unfortunately here in America, the SAC counselors, student assistance counselors, one of the first to be laid off uh, if there's a budget crisis and we should be the first to be hired for our schools because our kids really need the emotional support with what families are going through today. But didn't you mention to me, Al, that your mom is like one of 13 kids? My mom, yeah. Your mom um, has 13 kids. She had, she had, wait, wait, my mom has, my mom is, I think she's one of 13, yeah. Okay, so she came from trauma. Yeah. Right. So look through the generations of what your mom had to handle. Right. Yeah. So the first thing we do is we help you look at the trauma in a larger way. It's not mm-hmm. all about you. It's like, what did you experience? What did your mom go through? What did your dad go through? Yeah. Then there's a spirituality component to my coaching. Like we have to look at it with an open heart and forgiveness and rewrite the story mm-hmm. around what happened. Not that being hit is ever good. 
You know, none of it is ever good, but we have to rewrite the story and start reparenting ourselves, yeah. getting that loving and nurturing that we might not have gotten because we're so many kids, yeah. right? So um, this is what we do. We first heal the trauma, create the life that you really desire by setting up goals and putting real action steps into place, making you start to feel amazing about your life. And then if you're single, then you learn the exact dating skills based in psychology, spirituality, giving you the emotional edge that nobody else knows and living, teaching you to live a conscious awareness life, which even includes conscious dating. Mm. Then you go out and date when you're ready, leading to much success. And for the couples, I have to do the trauma work, like I said, with partner one and two. Then we teach you the new communication and the actions that you have to do as a couple. So you're not in that toxic fighting cycle anymore. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about some ways this shows up in love. So our clients, our listeners get it, right? Mm -hmm. So where's like jealousy and control come from? That comes from trauma number seven and trauma number two. Number two is those verbal messages that made you feel less than or not good enough. And trauma number seven is feeling bullied or not fitting in and not feeling like you measured up. Both of those in combination can lead you to being jealous of your mate, even though they know, you know, they're showing you in so many ways that they love you, but you still always doubt their love or you're jealous. So you become controlling, which really can push a relationship apart. Uh, perfectionism is one that, if people control, try to control the relationship, like I said, that's not good in love, but it can show up and become very successful in business. So that usually comes from having a very chaotic childhood home. And you really just like things perfect and in their place as an adult, because they weren't, they were all over the place or chaotic or dramatic as a child. So that's where perfectionism can come into. Um, People pleasing, like I mentioned, is you know, very often the girl that might have been yelled at by the hostile, uh, demanding father. So you should always try and please him to death. Now, abandonment issues, this can cause uh, codependency or love addiction. And that's because, um, let's say if you, you were a young man and your um, mom died early, you know, and now you're in adult love relationships, it's going to be hard sometimes for you to break up with someone. This is the cycle of seven times together, broken up, together, broken up. And you're going to crave that love that you might not have gotten. And this could also be if you had an alcoholic mother, she was. So you'll get together, break up, get together, break up, because the love you crave is more important than the conscious saying, but they're not good for me. I know they're not good for me. So you'll break up. The average is about 10 days. Then you'll start texting because you miss the person. You miss the love. You miss the connection because that unconscious need is more stronger than the conscious behavioral pattern at this time. So that's what's happening with a lot of this toxic back and forth going on. Um, the imposter syndrome, a lot of our actors and entertainers would have that. They reach a certain level of of success and then they might start sabotaging themselves, drinking, partying too much, um, not feeling deep down that they deserve it. Like it's almost they're ripping people off in a way that's known as imposter syndrome. 
blaming behavior, blaming everybody else. It's nobody else's fault. We had a top politician recently step down, um, did come from childhood trauma, uh, very demanding alcoholic father. And he was blaming everybody else for the problems and not taking responsibility. And I remember hearing on the news, oh my God, do you think, you know, he has mental health issues? I'm like, no, he's suffering from unhealed childhood trauma. This is exactly what he has. I wish I could be his counselor, right? His coach. He needs one. He needs a life coach. The show? So, I think um, we all do. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. all do, actually. Well, when you understand this is where most of your adult problems is stemming from, mm-hmm. you know, you need a very specific coach. Like I said, I'm a certified clinical trauma professional. So someone that really understands mental health, the trauma repair, um, and then with the mindset for success, that's the positivity, the conscious awareness work, knowing how to heal when you're emotionally triggered because life is hard and you will be emotionally triggered. Mm-hmm. So do you act out, which we call living in the, the dark, uneducated, unconscious side where you say, why me, you know, act the victim mm-hmm. and all this negativity starts spiraling your life apart in all areas, or do you become proactive and have full conscious awareness and say, okay, this is just a challenge. I'm expecting challenges. I live in the earth school. So what can I do to help with this problem or situation? And it's a very empowered choice. And you're very calm as you're going through your, you know, different ways that you could solve the problem. And there's no failure. There's only feedback and lessons learned. So when you have the mindset for success in business, so many people beat themselves up, but they try something. It's like, this didn't work. I quit. (laughs) (laughs) And instead it's like, all right, well, that didn't work. Well, let's see. Let me think outside of the box here. What am I not doing that I could try? Let me go to plan B. Let me see how that works, right? So it's just a whole different way of being. And when, again, cortisol and stress is down, memory focus is up. So you do better. You perform better in the workplace as well. Yeah. Okay, I got one um, a personal question before we wrap the show that, well, actually it's from your list, but I thought it was really interesting. It's something I would like to know. Um. Can you name five things that are in an emotional, emotionally healthy, evolved and consciously aware relationship? I like that. What it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sure. Now, this is from section four of the Love Beyond Your Dreams book. It's 400 pages, by the way. So (laughs) it helps you identify toxic relationships. If you're single and getting out there dating, what you should look for. If you're a couple, what you need to look at and repair And then what are you aiming for in this conscious relationship? First of all, you're always a team and you Mm. have to think it's me and you against the world. So that's that concept of always putting your partner first and then everyone else second. Second is always monitoring your balance triangles. Do you have enough time for yourself? Yeah. Right. So there's different triangles that I describe in the live book uh, about life and life balance, but for person, It's um, mind, body, spirit. So are you giving your mind enough growth? Uh, Are you spiritually connecting with meditation and and the awareness or reading so you can be more, um, you know, settled, more consciously aware? And are you feeding your body the right and healthy organic foods? Are you exercising so that you feel good, right? So you have your own personal triangle, then you have your triangle as a couple, which is the me, you, and us. 
and the us is the family as well, family time. Um, so you always, you know, are always looking at that because if anxiety or depression's up, your triangle's off. Something's out of balance and you have to look and say, what's out of balance for me that I have to fix? Um, when you're dating, I get really clear with my couples, like the top seven to eight requirements of what you want in your partner. So like the, the young woman that might want marriage in a family, then I help her with those questions. So she knows on that first or second date if that person's right for them. But if you're someone like one of my gay males, the first thing he goes, oh, he must love dogs. If he doesn't love dogs, he's not for me. My dogs are my kids. So it, like, it can be anything that's important to you. One for me is must love dancing and music. Why? Because oh, yeah. I love dancing, right? So if that's someone that won't get out of their chair, I'd be miserable with them. Mm. So these requirements that it could also be as important of must be honest, you know, must live in integrity, doing the right things when nobody's looking. And those have to be in there too. So we get that list really solidified and then you know exactly what you're looking for and you don't care how cute they are. If they're not fitting that list, they're not for you. Uh, we're looking at different emotional things on functional needs. So functional needs are like, are they going to be a good parent? And we're going to be a team in our parenting. You know, what's his communication style? Does he show me the level of affection or PDA that I want, you know, out in public, right? That's functional needs and emotional needs is thoughtfulness and loyalty. Um, your wants and needs for enjoyment. Do you share the same hobbies? You know, if one of you loves snow skiing, the other one would rather sit on a beach, you know, are you able to compromise and do both? But, you know, it's best if you, you match on your hobbies and your interests. And one of the last ones is you must have a future vision for your life that matches, yeah. you know, where do you want to go? Where do you want to live? Where do you want to retire? How many kids do you want? You know, those types of things. And one of the things I kept saying again and again in the research was, the most successful, long-sustaining relationships are faith-based, mm. spiritual, not religious, really, spiritually-based concepts. That's awesome. There you go. Um, <laughs> Julie, you want to say anything? There's a lot of things I have on my mind. <laughs> uh, you learn a little bit today? No, say it again. Did you learn a little bit today? Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah. I'd like to jump more into back. it, you know. Uh, for, for now, yeah, for now, I'd be glad I'm... to come back. <laughs> you know, um, just going to touch on what you said about the the, the common, um, what you have in common, basically. Like, uh, Julia loves um, skiing. And I'm obviously, my background is naturally, you know, goes towards being the sun. <laughs> so... She wants you to go skiing and I want to go to like Jamaica. There you go. This is luckily, what happens. Well, you're going to have to share that then. Yeah. You know? but luckily, Julia's a good, well, a good one, if you can say that. Um, she doesn't mind being <laughs> the sun either. I know. I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. <laughs> to me, you're a good one. I'm, I'm going to say it like that. To me, the great wife. The great there wife. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, 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 uh, well, it's 12 years and counting. So. It's not new. It's seasoned. It's seasoned. You know, it's, um, you know, it's but still, sometime yeah. now you may want to go skiing and you can just sit around the sure. fire and have your hot toddy and read some books and let her go skiing, right? I'll say the log cabin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll go um, skiing and you can go to the sauna. Um, I have one, just one more thing to add because, or 
now let's put it as a question. I hope we have a couple of minutes. Um, I understand it's important to have a good like base from where you want to work, walk further with the person. Um, what we like we experience, and I think a lot of other couples too, is the, like changing personalities. I'm changing and my husband's changing and circumstances change. So yeah. what do you think is the most important skill to have to be able to deal with a changing partner or? It's always being best friends first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your friends change, but yeah. your best friends you probably hold on to for 20 years. Like my best friends I've, I've had over 20 years mm-hmm. and they, their life changes, my life changes, but you still love each other at the foundational level. So if you're dating and you don't build that foundation, this mm-hmm. is where couples are falling apart. You weren't buddies first. You weren't friends first. Mm-hmm. So you'll always love and support your friends. Yeah. Right. And yeah. you want your partner to change and grow as things happen. Um, it keeps life interesting. You know, do stay interesting for your partner. Learn new skills. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you don't want to be boring. So change is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Constant. You know, and support each other on, in those dreams and goals. You should have individual dreams and goals and partner dreams and goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Nice. I fancy that's beautiful. Um, okay, can you sum this up for us, Rihanna, and tell our listeners about your free gift? Sure. I had come bearing lots of gifts, you guys. Oh, so <laughs> go to my website. It's rihannamilne.com. It's my name. There you find the free ebook right at the top on how to have the love you deserve and why nine out of 10 people suffer in life and love. It's going to go deeper into the childhood trauma stuff. Under the books tab, you get the first free 60 pages of live and love beyond your dreams are both there. Um, there's free quizzes about love. How are you doing as a single? How are you doing as a couple? Go take the four free love tests. And my podcast, Lessons in Life and Love, you can find everywhere. And on my YouTube channel, it's there as well as I think I have 230 videos and audios now really wow. breaking down this topic in so many different uh, areas and nuances about really how to create the life you desire and to have the love that you deserve. And that's what life's all about, guys. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Rihanna. You're welcome. Yeah, You've thank you. Blessed us with so much knowledge today. I feel um, honest to have you. I want to get you back on again at some point because there's a I'll lot of back. questions. There's, there's definitely a lot of questions that are like, To be honest, we didn't even get into like the, the meat, you know. Great. Write them down, send them to me. I'll be back on with yeah. you guys. I really yeah. enjoyed I'll it. I'll do that. I'll do that. Thanks for, for sure. having me. Thank you very much. Um, you can find her at Rihanna Mil- Milne. That's M-I-L-N-A. But Rihanna spelled R-I-A-N-A. Sorry. <laughs> Let me start again. Rihanna, R-I-A-N-A-M-I-L-N-E.com. Because Rihanna could be spelled like that. We don't want to make, mix up with the rapper or the singer. Yeah. So, okay. Thank you very much. Like, comment, subscribe. And if you need to reach out to Rihanna, you know where to find her. And thank you, Julia, for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Then good night and see you soon. Bye. 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 <laughs>